Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. You're listening to the Jersey Cool. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And tonight we are joined by two very special guests who are near and dear to our hearts. Uh, Mel's and Eli Major Phillips, say hi to everyone for us. Hello. Hello, hello. Yo, Real Talk Major Phillips sounds like the third member of your band. Definitely plays oh, the piece. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Mm-hmm. We're building a home arcade right now, and the mascot is going to be like a little pinup lady named Major Phillips. So <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. So Mel's and Eli came into our lives as we ventured forth into the world of immersive events. Mm-hmm. Um, I first met and are uh, undeniably fell in love with them during uh, Black Heart Collective, mm-hmm. and uh, they have now kind of spread their wings and created their own force. They are the creators of the Twin Knives production company. You did Love Locked, right? Was your first uh, solo project? Uh, yeah, Love Locked was the first thing that we did and then followed by Don't Go to School Tomorrow. Oh my gosh. So I have to be honest, I wanted to do Don't Go to School Tomorrow so badly, but I was too scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm flattered by that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and I mean, I, it takes a lot to shake me. I mean, you have been there for one of the only times in my life where I was truly shaken, which Blackheart has the, the bragging rights about. Oh, that was the most exciting moment of my creative career at that point was oh triggering God. the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> you did. And I am so good at not having any feelings and so good at compartmentalizing everything in life. But in that moment, um, and I always say this is such a testament to you and all the other Blackheart creators, I just crumbled under the weight of the severity of the show. And it was it was a beautifully cathartic moment for me. It really was. Uh, so I have to thank you for breaking me. That was fun. <laughs> I'm so happy. It's also really funny to look at the progression from then to now. Like here we are just chatting as friends. I know. I love it. And like you guys definitely took me under your wing and let me do a little acting in some of your later shows. And it was a trip. I loved everything about it. And you were, Mel's, I got to say, you were like a mentor to me in this in this world. Oh, well, that means a lot. I was super hyped when, when we were bringing new people in. Of course, I was excited about everybody, but you were the one who I knew through the shows the most. And I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is it, Chief. <laughs> I loved it. I loved getting into that role. I'm going to miss it, as a matter of fact. So tell me a little bit about Twin Knives and like what you and Eli are doing. Um, what do we have? I know you're doing, you're, you're working with guests of the show, Joshua and Sam. Yes. They are the brilliant minds behind Unstable Nightmare People. You guys are collaborating with them on a show coming up, right? Yeah, it starts this week. Um, We are doing, and tickets are still on sale, by the way. I should just begin with that if anybody is interested in this. It's called Fuck the Mouse. Uh, (laughs) Nice. When you say the mouse, are you talking about the one that lives in Florida? (laughs) Oh, boy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Please tell me that voice is part of this whole thing. Uh, Well, I never thought I did a very good Mickey, but now that you've said it, maybe. It's pretty good. Yeah. Maybe. It's not bad. I'm just going to say that Eli does a half decent Walt Disney impression. Uh, Wink. Do I? Yes. You have a mustache. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's half the battle right there, man. <laughs> it really is. It really is. But um, Fuck the Mouse will be a uh, comedy adventure with a slight horror edge uh, starring your favorite lovable internet misfits, the 8-Bit Witch and JPEG Jones. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> a sentient computer virus and a sentient meme. 
who will take you on uh, on a, a very internet culture heavy journey through, uh, I'm just going to say the world of the mouse. Oh, that sounds amazing. Tell us where we can find tickets for that. So right now there are two easy ways to get hooked up uh, to get the tickets for this. You can either message DM on Instagram, our company, which is Twin Knife Productions on Instagram, uh, or the Unstable Nightmare People Instagram account. So if you DM either of those accounts and just say, hey, I'm looking for Fuck the Mouse tickets, we'll square you away with the link. Um, if you maybe already follow the Blackheart Collective <laughs> Instagram and you don't know how to find any of these other ones, you could theoretically also message that because it's run by some of the same parties. Well, we'll be sure to link those uh Instagram accounts in our show notes so people can easily click and get right to you guys. So tell me a little bit about the world of immersive haunts. Like, what do you want the world to know? People who are maybe just into horror, but not into this part of the world. Like, what would be your pitch to be like, this is what the immersive or slash extreme haunt world is? Um, so no pressure. I, you're just representing all of immersive horror. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mind. I'm, I'm used to representing way more than I'm worth. Um, so <laughs> I'll go ahead and, and answer this just because I, I talk more about this stuff than Eli does. Eli's more on the creative end than like the abstract conceptual, this is what this art form is kind of end. Um, to me, it all sort of falls into different categories. Um, but it's all just variations on what we understand as theater. So to me, the roots of what we see as extreme haunts, immersive haunts, immersive theater, whatever you want, all of those things sort of under an umbrella, not to sound like a huge nerd, but it all traces back to Disney theme parks, which invented the concept of immersive entertainment being an all encompassing term for an experience that makes you feel a certain type of way without sitting in a seat and just watching a show in the traditional sense. which is why I think online immersive theater is so fascinating right now. It is just the modern evolution of um, any other kind of entertainment that is non-standard. Um, and it's immersive because you have to interact for it to work. Otherwise, you're just watching a movie. So to me, it's, it's, it's a way to interact with the entertainment that you consume. A movie is passive. A video game is even passive in its own right. Um, but this is where you talk to and you, and you become some part of a universe. If that makes sense. No, that's actually beautifully said. And you're speaking my language talking about Disney because I'm with you. And I know you and I've spoken about this before. We're both kind of big Disney dorks, but um, (laughs) I agree with you. I think Disney really kind of set the gold standard for what immersive entertainment could be. And you're right. Like when I kind of fumbled into this world, it took me a long while to be comfortable enough to really immerse myself. And there's a certain vulnerability to it. And I think that's true both for the actors and for the participants. Like I give you guys a lot of credit for these shows because I can't imagine the emotional toll and the draining like nature of what you guys do. It's a, it's a lot, but it also depends a lot on subject matter because, you know, you, you look at, for example, Love Locked that we did. Um, while it definitely had a lot of emotional depth and it had, you know, it was going to make you cry. It was going to make you laugh. It wasn't heavy in the sense that some other stories are, um, you know, to just compare it directly to what we did next. Don't go to school tomorrow. That's heavy subject matter. Point blank. Yeah. Love locked was not yet. Love locked was by far the most stressful immersive experience I've had simply because mm-hmm. of the logistics. To me, it's the logistics that get me more than the content. Definitely a lot of stuff in the circle because that project went on for so long and it was so all-encompassing for 
myself and at one point Eli's creative mm-hmm. output. Mm-hmm. Um, the content of that one was really heavy, but for me, it's the logistics kill me because I'm like a kind of perfectionist <laughs> with that stuff. To me, the emotional toll comes from creating something that's manageable based on like my amount of energy <laughs> that I actually have to put forth in a regular day. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely something that I want to try to dip my toe into again, only because um, Joshua and, and, and you know, Blackheart Collective generously gifted me a ticket uh, to one of their shows. And unfortunately, with my work schedule, I really wasn't able to participate as much as I wanted to and almost kind of got uh, like there was just there was so much going on and you know you say the word immersive and for no someone that's never done it before immersive I think is an understatement because everyone (laughs) the actors the participants people were were just talking all day and having these conversations and getting so deep and so in touch with something. And, and I really, I would love to be able to do it again on a smaller scale where I could actually give myself to the production because I, mm-hmm. I really, I felt bad that I missed out on, you know, I would be gone for a day because of work and things at home. And, and when I get back, I almost feel five steps behind yeah. because right. so much goes on. But I, I have to say that I was so impressed by everybody within uh, the, the actors in Blackheart, so impressed by the participants that just step into this world and just kind of give their self, give themselves to it. You know, they always say it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, the more you put in, the more you get out of it. And mm-hmm. that could not be more the case for this situation. Like, I really wish I could have lost myself within the character that I was given. And, and hopefully I will be able to do that again when when another one comes around uh that that is a little bit shorter in duration for like i said my schedule but i was just so impressed when i could go on at night and and i might not be able to actively participate but just going to essentially i got to sit back and enjoy a performance and it was Mm -hmm. it was so interesting to see all these people chime in and, you know, obviously you guys have a scripted plan and then what the participants are bringing to it. Yeah. Just so thoroughly impressed. The world building was just yeah. so impressive. I mean, to me, that's some of the most fun stuff. Cause that's the stuff, you know, I, not to out Josh too hard, but the, the, the lore and the world building of the circle obviously was the foundation was all laid by Josh. The language was said, all of those things. But once I joined the production, we started talking on the phone until God knows what hour at night, getting stoned and coming up with the universe of the circle. And I, that sounds super informal, but I mean, that's, it's, it's not wildly different from a writer's room for a movie. It's really not. It was just happening on the phone. And yeah, that's the most fun stuff is just creating these universes with people by yourself, however you do it. And just to touch back on your, on your time commitment, issue jackie um this is now seems like a great time to formally invite both of you to do fuck the mouse if you would like it's a six-day show with primarily time commitment in the evening um not and not nearly as emotional i mean it's got an emotional intensity to it but not like the circle not focused on uh such such intense emotions it's a lot more focused on kind of fun and creativity oh thank you it's it is funny you bring up the the time thing because that is 
that was a staple of the circle was that that very long amount of time commitment per day um and just like you all as audience members sought out things that work a little bit better with what you have to give so do all of us as creators which is why every single show that any of us have worked on since have muddled with what we sort of saw as the formulaic time commitment of the circle and to me that's been a huge part of the fun of kind of going and doing my own thing is I can just kind of fuck around with it however I want yeah one of the things that I noticed for myself during Love Locked and I'm sure Eli can vouch for this regardless of how simple I tried to make it as far as time my brain says work on it work on it work on it, all fucking day long nope. <laughs> without without <laughs> any reprieve so I'm like how on earth do I deal with this how I can't do a two-week show where my brain is like you must do this 20 hours a day I'll break so I was like what if I just did one thing but for 24 straight hours that matches how my body likes to work and that that was don't go to school tomorrow it was a, it was a 24-hour consecutive experience show um, and we're looking to do a lot more of that kind of short, hard time commitment stuff. I really enjoyed it. So you guys have really done, done really everything that I would consider to be taboo or extreme things like tackling, <laughs> stuff, like, you know, mass shootings, murder, children, you know, drugs and alcohol abuse, all these other crazy topics. What is the one thing, and I'm curious to hear this from both of you guys that you would never like, what's the, like too far for you? It's, it's, it's a really fine line. I would never attempt to produce a show about like race relations. I'm a white lady. That's oh, too yeah. far. Okay. That's, that's, that's something I would never touch as yeah. far as just like your standard taboo subjects. I mean, it, things, discrimination is something I probably wouldn't touch. Cause I don't think I have good, good grounds to talk about that in any way. Um, well, things fair. like yeah. things like childhood sexual trauma. It's just very, very, very heavy and and I've had to have this conversation with people before because I've it's it's come up in these discussions of taboo subjects you know you kill people with no problem what's up with murder well people don't survive murder right there are no <laughs> hurt by it being talked about in a fictional sense there are surviving people who surround an incident there are people who have had attempts on their life but you you don't make it through the experience itself to have direct trauma from it, which I think makes it a more usable tool for fiction than something like sexual assault, which is absolutely something that millions of people survive and are bothered by every day. Right. So that's sort of my standpoint on it. Like I'm down to do whatever is fucked up, but only if I think I have actual license and reason to talk about it. That was a big thing for Don't Go to School Tomorrow is that this is something that we both have unique insight on. Um, Eli being regularly compared to a school shooter when he was in high school because no, he liked no, no. long coats. Not even just high school. He's probably reaching back. <laughs> yeah, and then for me, having having um, been in a lockdown for an active gunman in my school when I was in sixth grade, so we felt wow. a need to discuss it because it's something that we had some kind of connection to. But if there's not that connection, I think that is sort of where you start to go. I don't want to say too far, but just into territory where you can't temper how you behave with people who may have actually suffered. Right, right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you guys are definitely dealing with some heavy, heavy topics. Which is why we're doing something about Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <Excellent. a> <laughs> well, Eli, did you have a did you have an answer or was that pretty much like retweet? What's too far for me? Something that's gonna make me have to miss sleep for work, basically. <laughs> <laughs> just my weird hours like that I work for. Like I think that the Melody said. I mean, it's just you know, anything is that we're not exactly 
I don't know, it's equipped to know anything. Then we don't know anything about, you know, don't do it. Something's just too far. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah. So we were um we kind of threw you guys the ball on this one, and you picked um two movies for us to watch. And I gotta say, this is why I keep you guys around because you have all the cool like hip stuff that I don't I don't know of. 1995's hey. The Mangler and 1994's Cemetery Man. Yeah. Yeah, I think released in the United States, it was 94. So yeah. 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 So if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to start with The Mangler. Which is yeah. based on, of, of course, a originally written in 1972 Stephen King short that was later featured in 1978's Night Shift, one of my favorite of his like short story collections, um, directed by Toby Hooper, starring Robert England in a bonkers, bonkers role. Hell's bells, Adele. <laughs> <laughs> Where they like take Freddy, overacted even more. And be super creepy. Like, I'm wondering what their directorial notes for this were. Was it like, <laughs> be weird and awkward and creepy? <laughs> oh, I love that. And then you've also got- um, Ted Levine. Ted Levine. Ted Levine. <laughs> I know. I was so excited to see him. Like, I was pumped for Robert Englund. Yeah. And when I saw Ted Levine, I was like, well, I'm good. This is, <laughs> I'm here. I'm home. I love him. Although it is so tough to see him, like- in leading man roles when I'm just like, can't you just, can you just be Buffalo Bill all the time? I know as an actor, like that's kind of your thing to be all these different people, but like to me, and this sounds absolutely disgusting, but he's so beloved as Buffalo Bill, that that's oh, why yeah. I want him to be always, like always. See, the mangler has broken my brain and now I only want him <laughs> to say, you're a hammer. I love him as that character. I love him more than Buffalo Bill. I know it might be kind of, out there to say that's fair fun fact about him i had a friend who worked on set with him when he was on monk i believe was the show and everyone on set was given specific instruction not to say it puts the lotion in the basket to him and not <laughs> because apparently he would like go batshit crazy and like tell people to fuck off and like people got fired over i don't know that i'd be able to resist i'm just throwing it up I, I hardly blame him though i get it like yeah. to some degree I kind of get it when you're when you when your existence is associated with like a single line of dialogue it's, it gets exhausting I don't know the, I it, it amazes me a lot of people shit on this movie I guess that's a great place to start is that its reception is just it's bad bad uh, from critics <laughs> and from everything but I, if anyone wants to come at me and say it does not have fucking horror royalty behind it, like it is such a collection of big names for something that, that is kind of silly in premise, it kind of amazes me. Yeah, there is some legit freaking pedigree back here for sure. And I also feel like it's got a Toby Hooper aesthetic, particularly in the actual setting of the factory. Like, that oh, very, yeah. right like I always say that Toby Hooper sets it's like he sprinkles dirt on everything before they yeah. shoot <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I, I I like that like I am always I'm looking for that in his film and I think it's delivered and I think that I could see why it was panned but I will say that the two big things that I took away from it that I love is how have I not been putting nightshade in my antacids always like yeah. that feels, that feels like a really good move. Um, but also like, I love the backstory of the fact that Stephen King actually worked at an industrial laundry mat and that's where the story came from. So it got me thinking a lot about like 
the, what the metaphor of the industrial machine eating and being evil and all that was. And I think there's some fun to have there, but I'm, I'm curious to see what made you guys pick this film? Like what's, what's driving your love of this film? Well, <laughs> in, in, as far as us having seen it together, I, <laughs> I follow a Twitter account called no context violence, um, which is exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. I love that simultaneous. Ooh, that was adorable. Um, <laughs> it's literally just clips from horror movies and horrific accidents with no explanation as to what it's from and I'm on Twitter it's like eight in the morning and I'm scrolling through and I see the the, the first mangler kill is is on this Twitter page the the old lady with the antacids and everything and I'm watching it but I am just transfixed by this one minute and 24 seconds so I go through the replies I must know and I ask Eli I'm like I, I message him he was at work I'm like hey have you ever heard of the mangler yeah, he's like oh yeah I got that let's watch it yeah he's like, oh, I, got that DVD. I grew up watching that and then he started hurling quotes at me and I'm like yeah. I never thought I'd meet someone who knew this strange fucking movie <laughs> Speaking of quotes, the one thing I did notice, and, and Marissa, I know, can commiserate with me on this one. Um, my hearing isn't fantastic. So I always put Caption. captions, closed captions on everything I watch. And that mm. really helps me able to be, to, to follow the movie. And the one thing I noticed, I We're think- We're old, you guys. I, think, yes, I, I can't remember if it's the three times or four times, but uh, the character, uh, Ted Levine's character, Johnny, he calls somebody a dog fuck. Yes. Times. and i'm like is, dog is that a thing that i don't know about <laughs> like be. i have never heard someone be called a dog fuck but i'm like i need to incorporate that into my vernacular like that's <laughs> if it's good enough for him it's good, good enough for me <laughs> what do you say to the people when they wreck the truck our officer asshole to you <laughs> No, but the other part was fired. That whole scene, he said something really hilarious. I think just called him nuts when no, he dropped it. Maybe it wasn't what he Dude, called nuts. I'm bringing back. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> but we quoted when we watched it last night. I was like, "That's a good line." <laughs> you can just string together these fantastic insults that I guess like make sense to a degree, but like when you put them all together in one sentence, it kind of makes you scratch your head. But then it's also coming from him, <laughs> right? Well, if somebody calls you a dog fucking, you know, you know, bootlicking numb nuts, you're gonna be like, yeah, okay, you win. Like, um. <laughs> it's it's. I think every performance in the movie is great. Even I can't remember the character's name, but the foreman of the of the laundry press plant. George. He is oh, yeah. God. Does he over steal the, the screen with his overacting? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I I love it all. Like I again, when I when I hear critique of this movie or when I read critique of this movie, it's always that it's cheesy, and I disagree. I don't think it's cheesy. I think it is intentionally over the top. And I enjoy it for that. Everybody is overacting to like the nth fucking degree. Oh my and god! I yeah, like, no, that's your paychecks, boys. I love this. Well, you know, and honestly, I, I, you know, what you saying that because I was definitely on the fence with this movie, where I'm like, you know, I love everybody behind it. I really enjoyed the performances, but do I like this movie? But what you're saying now, like, it really does kind of click when you think about what is the plot of this movie. It's it's a laundry machine. <laughs> like it's a possessed laundry machine. So of course, 
machine. It's like, it's very much in vein of the plot that the movie would, you know, elicit these kind of performances. And now putting that all together, I suddenly like this movie like 10 times more than I did before we started. <laughs> because yeah, when you think about it, it should be bonkers. It's, yeah. it's a friggin', it's a possessed laundry machine. There's like, a fucking possessed refrigerator in it and nobody bats an yeah. eye. Like, like they circle back to the ice box as being the cat god that like it's just so bonkers like i feel like if someone were to be like marissa what did you do last night and i was like well i watched a movie where a laundry machine was possessed by a demon because the people in the town sacrificed their virgins you know blah 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 blah, blah. Yep. people would be like you're fucking out of your mind like and i love that it's like no movie singular one movie with all this it's like five no, movies I, I had said to marissa i think we need to watch this again and double feature it with deathbed the bed that eats people i'm like to me we gotta just go down the line of possessed inanimate objects wait can we also get a backstory movie about the brother-in-law because i need oh, more brother-in-law mark I love I need, him. I need a bat. I need like a. I, I need an origins movie there. You know what? I hate that I predicted the trope of this amazing, oh. lovable character. I love him. He's gonna die, isn't he? Yeah, He's no, gonna die a painful death, isn't he? Because he was just too cute. No, he really was. Story. Origin story. How does yeah. one become a demonologist? <laughs> That scene really early in the movie when they're when <laughs> first off, I love the quote: "Fold her like a sheet." Uh, <laughs> But that, but that scene where that comes from, when they're on that bridge with all the fairy lights and he's trying to eat steak in that pretty garden, I'm like, this right? is fucking beautiful. I looked at Eli, I'm like, will you give me a kiss on the Mangler Bridge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his his crib was legit, man. Um, it was charming. And then, I, and then, yeah, it's an amazing contrast to go from that back to the laundry mat or whatever. Right. What is it actually called? Laundry facility. Laundry, yeah. 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 So, laundry. It wouldn't be me if I didn't spend a lot of time trying to enact thematic relevance and social commentary from a movie even like The Mangler. And I think oh, got it. I think, again, you could see my note where I drew about antacids being killer. Um, <laughs> I think there's, there's a beautiful metaphor, and this is me definitely digging into my love of Stephen King too, for this idea of like workers being devalued and being literally mm -hmm. a diamond oh, dozen. Yeah. You know, like, and there being such unsafe conditions in factories, even to this day. And I, I love, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, I can vouch for that statement. Unsafe factory and stuff like that. Oh, oh do you, I don't want to pry, but did you or do you work in a, in that kind of conditions? Yeah, yeah, I do machining. Oh, cool. Okay. Have, have you ever seen a possessed one in your, uh... <laughs> no, but sometimes my machine's so big that I can walk inside of it and I'll sometimes do that when I'm cleaning the glass because it has a sliding door and I'll clean the inside of the glass so I can see inside of the machine. Oh, that's and sometimes weird. like, and I'm just like, I wonder if this thing will ever kick on when I'm just standing inside of it one day and just get me into a pulp. Oh my you know? God. Oh my Hold God. you like a sheet. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like a sheet. Carry me out the basket. That is such a good impersonation. Oh, I love it. I will say to the boss, uh, Robert England, mm -hmm. his character, I mean, he oh. was not a nice man no. at all. I but questions. you know what? At least he knew the names of his employees. That's <laughs> he true. He was raping them. <laughs> he was just bone them. Yeah, he's just moaning their yeah, names. But you know what? Sometimes, you know, he at least cared enough to learn their names. I, I, needed, <laughs> I needed more on the logistics when he unbuckled his two legs. Like, this is weird, but this is where my mind went. I kind of wanted that scene. I was like, keep going. I'll allow it. <laughs> like, I wanted to just see how that played out for my own weird kink. Um, oh, no. 
totally here for that. Well, and it, <laughs> I just keep thinking of, and now I just want you to do all the quotes. He's a virgin one. Talking to Dorhaeus, it's officer hunting. Yo, let me ask you, you're a virgin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, the, <laughs> I love the impersonation. The, when the, he just, I love when they're like, are you a virgin? And I don't know, it's just, and I, ah, I loved that twist. <laughs> this is so bonkers, this movie. But I loved the ending. Can we, like, can yeah. I just say that when she walked out, she was missing the finger and she was mm-hmm. the bad bitch oh, boss. Yeah. And oh, I was, was like, so see, you become the, you become the boss and you become evil man. Yeah, like, I, I was love. like, what's a metaphor? It was like, it blew my mind when they were like, when they kind of revealed that, yeah, like you give a piece to the demon yeah. and a little bit of the demon comes to you. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. And then when you look, but Robert Englund's character, he gave a lot. So much of his body is missing, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's like the super evil. Yeah. The mm-hmm. ending blew my mind. Me yeah, too. when she came out and she was she like, was bad bitch. now it's yeah. me. I, oh, I and loved she it. yelled, and I was like, oh, no. I, know. <laughs> she, I was like, no, girl. And he left and threw his little flowers away. He only brought her flowers. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell That's you one thing, though. Perfect. The way this factory is going, they're never going to get past one day without an accident on the sign. No, <laughs> no, they really are. Well, and that's that is one thing I want to mention because it's one of the things that stuck out to me the most. You know, it is a it is a bananas movie, but at the very core of it, the idea of getting sucked into the mangler is fucking terrifying. And what happens to the people? I mean, it did fold her like a sheet, and they did carry her out in a basket, and that is genuinely fucking disturbing. And I feel like they were stuck in there with their awareness for long enough that it really fucked me up because I was mm-hmm. like it, nothing scares me more than like a not quick kill like I don't want to feel my whole body slowly get and like people pull me a little bit and then I slowly go but like that is a gun like if I get sucked in you guys just let it happen push me in more like yeah. do not pull on me okay like just because I don't want it to be some dragged out like I'm aware this is happening thing that's that's all I gotta yeah. say <laughs> Get me faster, please. I know. Like push, don't pull. Push. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's it's a real, it's a very strange movie, but I think it's really quotable. I think, and it it, it really, to me, you know. So I don't consider myself like a Mega King fan, and it's nothing against him. It's just something I never had time to get into when I was younger. But Eli is a massive Stephen King nut, nice. so. But from what I know, what I have seen and what he showed me, et cetera, et cetera, this is just so fucking Stephen King. Oh, just yeah. Taking something, something yeah. that could maybe be unnerving or that is just a regular thing in life yeah. and, and giving it life and giving it some kind of consciousness. Like it all tracks so well. And I feel like it's a, for, for Stephen King fans, I think a lot of people have read the short story, but not a lot of people have seen the movie. And I would highly recommend it, like genuinely. It's very strange and it's very overacted, but like the special effects are great. Uh, the gore is very gory. Oh, I love the, yeah. the subplot with the photographer. I think that's genuinely engaging. Yeah. That felt like a whole separate movie too. Like it was, yeah, it was interesting. You could make a whole TV series out of it. You really could. I think the characters are truly engaging. I want to know more about all of them. Yeah, I, w- I wanted more backstory <laughs> on the photographer. Yeah, no, it's true. And you guys are like making me love the movie more than I think I know. I um, <laughs> we yeah, love it. You're right. It's, oh. so, it's so Stephen King. He loves making machines evil. I think it's yep. his group, you know, like it's- Well, it was reminiscent of a graveyard shift. Yes. You know, with the rats yeah. and the people in I the factory. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, very much Christine in the, in the vein of Christine, very much. Especially yeah. if you think about the book, too, because it was the car was actually possessed and it was taking in souls to make the car stronger and everything. Right. So, yeah, that, very much like Christine. Yeah, yeah I, I thought did, so, too. I loved the supernatural element story here where we have all of these powerful people in this town that continue to be right? powerful because they're sacrificing their 16-year-old daughters, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the power of... You know that the virginal right, right. like that trope which, was which also like by the way i went straight to monster squad when they were like you can't ask her if she's a virgin and i went right <laughs> to the scene of monster squad and i was like have you ever been dorked <laughs> <laughs> anything else about this film before we dive into the next one uh, can you think of anything else you really want to say you're, uh, you're, you're the you're you're more familiar with it than i am yeah yeah i, I don't know i mean you grew up with it yeah i did because i remember I watched when I was really young and I wanted my mom to add, cause my mom's, my mom was an artist and I wanted her to draw this for me. And so she drew like the roller pins with a hand sticking out when I was a child and one of my coloring books for oh me. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> that's cute. So I, I wish I still had that, but yeah, it's, it's it, um, I mean, we have our own mangle. We do, yeah. We have an antique washing machine that has a little mangle on it. <laughs> Just a little roller pins. And my grandmother. Hey, you guys, that's actually really cool. Them. Yeah. <laughs> my grandmother has stories when she used to get her hand caught in that darn thing. You know, I mean, it's it's pressed down. You have to take the top loose to get to open it up if you get your hand stuck on it. So that's fun. Oh, that's cool. Dude, yeah, I'm, I'm scared of these. I'm terrified of machines. Like, you, you describing work literally makes me anxious. Like, I'm like, I couldn't even, I wouldn't get in. I don't think I'd get in there. So it's well, like, my- yeah. Yeah, mine's an actually a human blender because it's a it's a lathe, so it has a spinning table. Oh, dude! You put, <laughs> do you, do you do like it. woodworking or? No, I do metal. We make uh we make uh, wheels, wheels oh, and um, okay, cool. stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if I was in there and it kicked on. It would just whip me around and blend me up and spit me out of the conveyor. I mean, Ew, no! <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, now like now, now be like, Be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Every day checking on you. Are you We're okay? Like, you, you good? You good? <laughs> I was just gonna say my dad and me quote the movie all the time <laughs> we've been quoting it for years he'll he'll just quote it while we're at work or at the dinner table <laughs> quote it it just something comes up and now Melanie and me quote it all the time yeah it's a whole household of Ted Levine quoting. it really is <laughs> we're all just like yeah we're hammer hammer he's all day <laughs> It's her favorite one. <laughs> this film hits so close to home for you, dude. It's so gangsta. Like I, I won't even talk about bad things happening at schools, and you're like, I'm gonna watch movies about machines that kill people, and then I'm gonna go hang out with a machine that could kill me like this. Like that's yeah. pretty badass. Um, yeah, no, my husband uh, works. He does a lot of woodworking and metalwork and stuff. And seriously, I'm like phobic. I can't tell you how many times I'll be like, is he okay? Oh my God. And I better check. And I'm always convinced he's going to, every time I hear him walking up the stairs, I'm convinced he's going to be missing a, a, like a limb or something. And it is a very irrational fear. So I, I give you credit. I would be a nervous wreck all the time else. I don't know how you do it. Uh, it's since he goes in so early, I'm normally asleep for half a shift. <laughs> <laughs> that is like that helps. Um, all right, um, so- but- so just the fact that he, Eli's a smart boy and he runs one of the more automated machines because he's able to program it himself. Yeah. And so that gives me a ton of comfort that it's a little right. bit less me sticking my hands in there and a lot more me programming the computer. I just got to worry about my dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, you know what? No virgins being thrown into it. So I think you're good. Yeah. That we know. That of. we know. Of. That you are aware of. I'm like the youngest dude there. So if any of those like 30 to 70 year olds there are virgin, I mean, sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> Life. <laughs> 30 to 70 such bad <laughs> oh 
Um, all right, so let's jump into Cemetery Man because this thing, yeah. this movie, I'll tell you what, you guys, I'm really thankful that you 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 opened my eyes to this film because I feel like every time I think more about it, I fall mo- more madly in love with it. First of all, where has Michelle Suave been my whole life? Um, because, <laughs> God, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just agreeing. Mm-hmm. Right? And like, apparently he studied under... Uh, uh, what the heck my name is argento and uh fulci oh okay well mm-hmm. that that tracks because it's yeah. very it's it's really interesting if you're a if you're listening to this yeah. and you're a Spiria fan which is probably the most common but you know right. italian giallo yeah. yeah yeah that this this is the second generation of that style this Agreed. is the night that yeah it's like the night it's like the the 80s slasher and bonkers dead alive style movies that was that was my first note that this has such serious mm-hmm. dead alive vibes but also such full zombie fulci vibes such yes. giallo vibes like yes. it's it is it's you put all that in a blender you'd sprinkle in a dash of rupert Eppert, and you've got some and a little <laughs> a little pinch of existentialism like a little kafka mm-hmm. yeah there you have it. You have this movie. And like some of the best boobs I have ever seen in a no, horror movie. D- strong disagree on that. Really? Her, again, I, well, yeah, I made she's... this comment to Jackie. <laughs> this is where we take a pause for being like academic and feminist. Her fucking areolas were the biggest things I've ever seen. I literally knew you were going to say that. But... <laughs> yeah, they really are. They were. But you know what? To me, it you was... must be a fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's up there with Tina from Night of the Demon, but yeah. just aesthetically, they looked really soft. I was into it. I like the titties. Eli was wise <laughs> on such an early one of our dates to show me a movie with big titties because I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's funny. We, because uh, we were watching and I was like, man, not to objectify this woman, but her lips are so pretty. That's what I landed on this time. I was looking less at the tits and I'm like, wow, if I were okay. to or just want to show off a lipstick, like her, her lips, yeah. I just think she's very pretty. She and I think she's pretty. gorgeous. Yeah. Well, you know she's what? On, if it's a not standard viewing. Your first viewing, you're going right to the boobs because they're just there. On the second viewing, I could probably appreciate another part of her body. So yeah. I was really, really into naked Rupert Everett, Everett, Everett. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Rupert Everett, because I had a pretty big boner for him in the 90s, especially with my best friend's wedding and everything. So when he got naked, I got a little distracted, like not yeah. to objectify the film or put the female gaze on it inappropriately. We can do a little bit. We can do <laughs> a little since bit. there was no male gaze in this, I'm here to say, because mm-hmm. um, I just thought it was very interestingly shot. But um, yeah, no, I was excited for all the nudity in this movie. To be well, honest, that's one thing I can say in its favor is that um, specifically with the female nudity, you know, it's so easy. Oh, horror movies showing a bunch of tits, whatever. The nudity in this movie is presented so aesthetically beautifully. Yeah. Oh my god, that <laughs> shot when she's riding him in the cemetery and she sits up and the angel wings are behind her. I'm like, this is a heavy metal album cover. This yeah. is. A- <laughs> It's true. It was aesthetically interesting. Although, dude, she deserved everything she got for banging on her husband, her dead husband's gravestone. I'm sorry. I am not one to to be like, I'm all about some good blasphemy, but even I might draw the line. I'd be like, let's move over a couple of gravestones. Just a couple. Like, just a little bit. Yeah. Like, I don't want to literally bang on his bones. Like, this feels wrong. Yeah, but so I love that. She, she told, she, I told him everything. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wait, I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, also, I don't know. 
I, I found it fat at first I was annoyed that she didn't have a name that she was just she or the widow and even mm-hmm. in the credits and I was all annoyed at the women in this film but the more I unpack it the more I think it's a beautiful choice and I'll kind of talk more to that because at first I was like oh how like and I, I was like how misogynistic that they don't even bother to give her name and then they they let the other actress play three different roles like she's fucking completely interchangeable but I actually think there's a brilliant thematic relevance to that this idea of in the throes of existential dead and this idea of whether we are living you know are we the living dead or are we dying we are living to die or like you know the dying living it does maybe it is all inter- interchangeable you know what I mean like maybe the, the, the concept of love itself and the concept of like you know uh relationships and, and sexual you know intercourse and all that is really just that generic and interchangeable and then in that way I thought it was a brilliant choice yeah and there is something I think very haunting about the fact that he keeps trying you know he is trying to find love and to find these things that will make his life worthwhile even though he's you know, constantly just battling the dead, like literally battling death. Yeah. Um, every time he tries, it goes worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and I, I think it's really very trippy that it's the same lady because it's it, it starts to make you wonder, is are these different people, are these reincarnations, or is this his own mind playing tricks on him? And there's no right. explanation for that. And I like it that way. These are the things that make the movie meaty and worth watching again and thinking about. Yeah, same train. Like, I feel like there's so many layers that I initially didn't register. And you're right, like this idea of how much of it became a fever dream. At what point was it? Because he breaks with reality at some point, right? But like, and and like the scene with the little fucking wispy things and all, I was like, Mm -hmm. shit, getting weird. But it was so, (laughs) like, I was just so interested in it. Um, I also thought it was such an interesting, like the the idea of the penis and the phallic and the fear of the Mm -hmm. penis and everything was such a weird interesting play on like gender dynamics and horror that I feel like I could I could do a whole episode on just how interesting I found that to be like this idea that like they made fun of him as being impotent but then he literally was willing he was gonna go what like chop off his penis right yeah with fucking cheap shears yeah <laughs> and, and and meanwhile like she gets over it by getting raped like it was yeah. oh dude yeah that was it was so bonkers and then it's like in its absurdity and it, it really hit the nail on the head of existential dread to me. Like it was such a great way to make absurdism translate into the truth of just how fucked up life is. And so mm-hmm. I, like, I just walked away being like, we are all just the dying living and he's right. Like, death, <laughs> yeah. I was like, death was right, bro. It was like, it was like being at a black heart show. I was like, death was right and nothing matters. And like, I was just all existentially after this film. But I'll tell you the one person who saved it all for me was Hodor, I mean, Gnor, or whatever his name was. How do you say his name again? Yes. What, Nagi? Nagi, thank you. Nagi, my my little Hodor, um, he was fucking adorable. And he was the only, like, right? Like he was like the, the saving grace of the film. His relationship with the head, and this is absurd mm-hmm. that I'm saying this out loud. Was the sweetest, the only it, moment. It really was. Yeah. It really it was, was your faith in humanity. We were just talking when we watched it the other night about how he's that whoever that actor is is just a great character actor, and I really want to see if he did anything else because I think he's a famous musician. I looked into him. Is he? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Wait, what, is he, a, what does he do? I think he's like folk music. Or oh, yeah, oh, he's like a well-known French musician. 
well, I guess maybe now I can tell the story of how I saw Cemetery Man for the first time because it's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, uh, yeah, please tell us because it is really Real cute. Quick. So um, this movie is very sentimental for the two of us. Uh, when Eli and I first started dating, we were not in any position to make that known, both to our families or to really anybody. We were kind of meeting up in secret. And um, we did a slumber party in the back of his truck at our favorite parking spot <clears throat> out in the middle of the woods. Uh, and he brought a portable DVD player, real little old thing from, you know, early 2000s yeah. or something. And uh, he showed me Cemetery Man. It was between Cemetery Man and Waxworks, uh, which is another movie that we love. Um, but I picked Cemetery Man because I was like, which one is going to make me hornier? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, was, right one. he was like Cemetery Man. And I'm like, mm -hmm. hell yeah, you were right, buddy. But it's mm -hmm. it Marquis de Sade scene, yeah. pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. The Marquis de Sade scene is pretty hot. Um, but uh, but the steak tartare. Oh yes, steak tartare. Yeah, that <laughs> was. <laughs> um, so that that was that was how I was introduced to Cemetery Man. Of course, you saw it much much earlier. Oh yeah, I've watched it since I was a child. Actually, like I've grown up on more. <laughs> so the boobs and shit, you know, I, I grew up watching them. But like when I was done being a toddler, is when my parents told me to look away. And so I just remembered this stuff at that point. It was like, you know, what those point? But yeah, I grew up watching it. So I've watched it for a long time. It's just, I don't know. It's, it, I was fascinated by it. I'm like, so this, this is the first offering of this young man to me is like a, a movie <laughs> that we should see. And I'm like, this, this is it chief. Cause I, I, I'm a very, I'm very heavily driven by aesthetics when it comes to movies. I'm, um, you know, plot, all of that, all these things are important, yada, yada, structure, editing, but for me, with film being a visual medium, I want my eyeballs to be tickled uh, thoroughly. And pretty much everything in this movie I enjoy aesthetically, from the car he drives, to the beautiful shots in the cemetery, to the special effects, which don't look super great in HD, but um, <laughs> look 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 kind of good sometimes. I have to admit the little sprite things literally just look like marshmallows on strings that are lit yeah. on fire. But it does look that way in the older formats when you watch it on vhs or something like that it looks great it looks flawless but once you once you bump up that quality yeah you up on a bigger screen yeah like, it, oh, doesn't, it doesn't work as well but it's still I, I i think it is a very very visually pleasing movie i absolutely love um right towards the end the scene in the hospital when franco is in the yeah. hospital yeah and number one that whole segment of the movie is very american psycho-esque to me because he's just trying so hard for people to credit him for these murders and it's just going right over their fucking head <laughs> you have a gun. Good. that's my favorite part yeah you got a gun good yeah. but the, but the, yeah. you can protect yourself room. it looks so much like Suspiria to me because you have these see-through white curtains and then the bright yeah. bright color light behind it and to me it, it really is starting to lend itself to the surrealism that that his name is Francis right yeah main guy yeah uh, Del Morte yeah. getting to the yeah. point of Fr Francesco della Morte that's what it is um he uh it sort of lends itself to where his mind is at at this point he's falling apart you know he's talking to death in the cemetery and every bitch he fucks is the same bitch and also dies yeah um now he can't even get credit for his fucking murders his only friend is supposedly stealing it but we just had the conversation the other night I'd never thought of this until Eli you you, you explain it you know which, 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 which whether point? he was really talking or not in the hospital uh, oh yeah. Fr I franco yeah. yeah yeah i was thinking like you know what if what if uh francesco just um 
you know, hallucinated, frankly, even talking to him. Because, I mean, you know, he's supposed to be in a coma and everything. It's just, and there's so many other things I think about, too, in, in the whole movie. Like, when he's um, having sex with that third woman, it turns out to be a prostitute. What if she wasn't a prostitute? What if her friend was trying to scam him out of money? And he actually did fall in love again, and they were going to actually be together. But her friend's like, oh, we need that lira from you. We need that money. Huh. And so he fucking kills her anyway. Yeah. Again. Yeah, so it's, it's like his, his, his deteriorating mental state is leading to him making worse and worse choices because we're not even sure, number one, the motivation of everybody else. Kind of like Edgar Allan Poe stuff going on. Yeah, and number, <laughs> it's a very good point. That's very Edgar Allan poe And number two, whether whether he's even perceiving reality correctly. Just like, are we allowed to talk about the end of the movie here? Yeah. Well, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Look at the end. Like, obviously, he wasn't that smart. He was almost illiterate. Yeah. Like, he drives through a tunnel and it's supposed to be the end of the world, right? Right. Where the cliff is. What if it wasn't the end of the world? What if that tunnel was under construction, the road was broke, and he was too just He's just dumb too, big, too ignorant, ignorant to know any better. Because he even says earlier, what, he didn't finish school. My favorite book is the phone book. Yeah, he only read two books. One he didn't finish, the other was yeah. the phone book. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's so little he really understands about the world. It makes you wonder if, if everything that you saw is due to his ignorance to what's really going on. I don't know. There's not even any other characters other than him and Nagi. And even and Nagi people... was smarter than we thought. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. see that last moment when Nagi's like, let's go let's, home. Right. When he, and and like, Francesco oh, just kind of makes that guttural noise that yeah. Nagi's been making the whole time. It's yeah. like, has Nagi, he really been Nagi. that way this whole time? Or like, mm-hmm. was there the break? Like, was there that moment where... Right. Was the snow globe metaphor maybe? I thought maybe that was some sort of symbol of when reality, like, was this whole thing a break from reality and hit, like, the idea of him looking into a snow globe of his own mind, like, and the pu- the skull puzzle. I, there were so many, like, the English teacher and me geeked out so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many good fucking symbols and metaphors, and you know how much that floods my basement. But the skull puzzle as, like, a symbol, there's one scene where Nagi literally puts, puts it, it all together. together. And uh-huh. like, dude, A, he's so much smarter than, he, than everybody thinks he is, and B, uh, he literally like maybe that's such a great metaphor for life because like the more you overthink it the more existential you get the more you allow the dread of the reality of it all to fill you the more fucking miserable you are the harder the puzzle is i also had the perception that like we are viewing everything from francesco's point of view and that's the reason we can't understand nagi because nagi is speaking normally and and francesco just doesn't understand what he's saying yeah and he he just that's because we've got his point of view of course you don't understand what Augie's saying you're not comprehending what he's saying you don't get identity so you're just getting these guttural sounds that are coming out oh me like yeah no it really it was one like i said it was kind of fever dreamy but like at the end of the day i'm like do i like this I think I like this. Like I, I was <laughs> yeah. into it more than I thought I was by the end of it. It's beautiful and it's strange, and I think it's it's quite well acted. Um, yeah, I really I like pretty much everybody in it. I mean, I I'm thoroughly convinced. Eli disagrees with me on this. I'm thoroughly convinced that whoever wrote the script, uh, English was not their first language, because there are certain things that don't feel like they read completely correctly from a writing standpoint. Um, but I also kind of don't mind because I think all of that adds to the the surrealism of it. Yeah, I'm with you. And and surrealism usually, I don't know, like even the way it was shot to me 
really lent itself to not only a callback to like the older horror movies that I love so much, but also uh, to, to this like very abstract, surreal kind of like, it's rare to find that done so well in a horror movie, let alone in a horror movie that's juxtaposed with comedy. Like I did have scenes where I was laughing out loud at it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of funny shit in this movie. I mean, uh, the thing that makes me laugh literally the most is that the girl's head can walk. Me too, but it like pops. That's my favorite scene. <laughs> I, I like I like the end at the hospital when the one nurse comes in and she's like, what's what's the what's the nun doing? And he's like, praying. <laughs> praying. 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 It's it definitely got like that scores. almost Monty Python-esque humor to it. It really like, does. Yeah. Where it's like almost like a European flip. Like I, I totally get why this movie was like revered across the pond, but was like like not yeah. did, didn't do well here. I think it it's a certain aesthetic that that this movie has that um where we just we weren't ready for it in 1990s horror in America. You know, I, that's something I said about it. I think when I first saw it is that it felt really ahead of its time in but, a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think it's really a lot of like I want to yeah. watch it again. You know. I, uh, we just did, and, and I honestly would love to watch it again soon, too, because I just, oh, my God, oh, this is a great time to mention the music. Mm-hmm. The Ooh, music, yeah. I think, is fan-fucking-tastic. I'm really into that, you know, synthy, old-school horror sound, and this is, mm, It was, very, it was no very, Yeah, actually me. really going. Uh, we just started having meetings at the Haunted Attraction that Eli and I work at, Um for the the story and the sets and everything this year and we have multiple cemetery scenes throughout the whole thing we've got like six separate attractions um i'm really really gunning for one of those cemetery scenes to be like a very direct reference to some cemetery man stuff because i think it would just be i'm hoping to do a romero tribute in one of the cemeteries and a cemetery man tribute in the other one um yeah that's a road trip got you fam so here's my my question that plagued me for hours after I saw the film last night and this is like my my it was like my as I closed my eyes idea are we living or are we just marching towards death like how do you know I think it's all about what you choose to do with your time yep yeah if you choose to be like Delamorte and live among the dead and fight the dead and think of the dead constantly you're just on a journey to join them but then you look at someone like Nagi even in death he found love I know. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, the, what is it? The, um, the glass half full glass, half empty, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's, it's how you perceive it. No, I just, I loved the, I loved calling them the returnable, the return, right. Alternables, right. Returners. The returners. returners. Like I thought that was so profound because it's like, you know, this, this philosophical notion of we're all somehow returned in some way, but yeah, no, I loved it, you guys. Thank you. So I can't, I, I really yeah. was excited to have this one. I didn't even know this existed before today. So yeah. I'm pretty pumped <laughs> that you guys opened my eyes to this one. This is definitely going on the Marissa needs to own this one pile. Oh yeah, it's it's hard to find though, man. I'm amazed right that you have eBay is going to be your best bet maybe yeah, to I, find a copy. And I remember when my parents bought on DVD back when, you know, DVD stores at the mall were still a thing. We had a or, special orders uh, special order ours back in the early 2000s. So oh, it was wow. even I was so struck by how cool it was when Eli showed it to me that I'm like, oh, this is really, this is the star of the show. You know, Mangler is just another one that he showed me that I thought was fun. We also, <laughs> we talked about, did we suggest Waxwork? I can't remember. That's another one we oh, love. I don't know, but uh, if we're doing Waxworks, you guys are back because yes. I love that movie. That I grew up with, with yes, Waxworks. <laughs> I think we need to do Waxworks one and get crazy with Waxworks too. Let's get wild. Let's get weird, yeah. y'all. 
<laughs> we we have the double feature DVD. I absolutely fucking love those movies. That's actually, another one we quote on I the daily. I quote that often. Yeah. Actually, a little fun story. I mean, I'm not going to talk about the movie, but just an occurrence that happened while um we were on our honeymoon. We were we were watching Waxworks the uh, week before we went on our honeymoon, and you know we're, we're gone in um our house is a duplex. My parents still live on the other side, and so my dad heard someone yelling he heard what the hell did you kill him for and he thought somebody broke in and like accidentally killed somebody on, oh on our side he, like it turned out our dvd player and our amp came on and was playing the movie oh <laughs> my God. God. and i checked to make sure everything was off so like how this stuff got on is beyond me that movie's possessed it's here to fuck with our family <laughs> uh, you guys better watch out man <laughs> oh that's uh, awesome I, I feel like I didn't, I mean, we've been talking about it for a while. I feel like I barely even scratched the surface. I'm like ready for more watches. Um, a, based yeah. on a comic a, a called Dylan Dog comic. I don't know if anybody was familiar with that. Yeah, there's there's that? there's a Dylan Dog movie that okay. came out. He's a character, Dylan Morte is a character from, from Dylan Dog. Yeah, I uh, Brandon Roth, I think, played oh. Dylan Dog in the movie. Oh. I read it... Uh, couple years ago but i it's it's one that i read once so i don't have a great memory of it i'd have to reread it but i do i do remember the dylan dog character oh that's yeah. interesting yes yeah i had no idea i still just want the little head walking behind me like i want a pet head yeah i'll put it in the tv in the tv, in the TV. Oh, i loved it, it <laughs> that was, was my favorite part i was like what a great place for it yeah <laughs> And she was so cool and like down a clown. Like what should have been so disturbing was so pure and sweet. And it just warmed my it heart. Was, and it was, it was disturbing like, when they shot her and the fact that she was rotting. Fair. Fair. So both the Mangler and Cemetery Man, thank you guys so much because that was a treat to us. Like we had never seen, I'd heard of the Mangler, but never seen it. Never even heard of Cemetery Man. So this was an absolute treat for both of us that you guys introduced this to us you brought it to the jersey Bulls universe yeah and we are so so thankful and now it's for that. got a, a pretty big place in my heart yeah well thank you I, it was it's it's very you know because we're we're both big movie buffs and we love obscure horror movies and all kinds of shit yes. where you know you can tell people like oh you should see this movie it's cool to the ends of the earth but at the end of the day everybody's busy everybody knows what they want to watch already they've already got a thousand things in their queue so <laughs> when i was when i was pitching the idea of doing this podcast to eli i was like we get to make people watch any movie we want yeah. and he's like yeah that sounds great um, um question question for you guys have you ever seen a movie called slashers have you i have not no, i have not um i'll send you a youtube link it's Don't one of do our, it. no do it it's that is how cemetery man is for you guys slashers that's not fair so slashers isn't like thematically rich no but it's a bonker like care. indie horror movie it's more of a mangler it's like yeah, no, it's it's seven. don't listen to her there's nothing to unpack thematically with no it's, it's just fun <laughs> it's bananas just a bad b movie but it's also like that's our love story it is our love because story. we watched that movie in college we yeah. worked at hollywood video we, we randomly it saw it we watched it so many times it's ridiculous it is it's amazing i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna send i'm gonna to apologize yeah. ahead of time for that one. Oh, we like we like the movie rubber so it can't be oh, it can't be yeah. that bad yeah. Jackie does too. I do too. <laughs> Here's the thing: Cemetery Man has a lot to unpack, yada yada. But I, at the end of the day, I fucking love schlock. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. love 
b-movie bottom of the barrel horror schlock it's some of my favorite so like feed it to me i i we love this kind of shit so yeah go for it we we have very varied interests i kind of want to immediately get you guys back on the book and also immediately have you pick more films for us to watch because i was like blown away and had a lot of fun with these um so twin twin knives tell us where we can find you guys i know that you guys are young and hip and cool so it's all on the insta (laughs) right well, you say we're young and hip and cool as we sit in a room with almost exclusively technology and items from pre-1990. Yeah. So we're not cool. as hip and cool <laughs> as it might seem. Um, but uh, uh, so right now um, we're on both Facebook and Instagram. If you look for um, Twin Knife Productions or just Twin Knives, you should be able to find it. No problem. Uh, like I said, next thing coming up officially is um, Fuck the Mouse which begins very soon, but tickets are absolutely still on sale up until the very last minute. We'd love to have anyone who wants to come do something very funny and very heavily based on, uh, you know, our love of Disney. Can you tease maybe what's next? I know that that's um, a collaboration with Unstable Nightmare People. What's next in the Twin Knives world? What can I look forward to? It's funny you mention that because I think we just settled on what was next maybe yesterday. We uh, So something that doesn't come out as frequently, um, Twin Knives is both the name of our immersive theater company and of our band. Uh, Eli is a very talented musician, plays cool. several, we both sing him a lot better than me, but we both sing. Um, and uh, not too long ago, I, I'll just tell the whole story because I think it's funny. Eli comes home from work one day and is like, hey, check out this thing I've been working on he presents me with a basically a full album of music that he has been making at work wow um, i swear i'm doing my job he does his <laughs> job too but you know sometimes you just sit there while the machine does its thing so yeah. um i was like holy shit we suddenly have this this treasure trove of really cool original music that i didn't even know you were working on we can't just put this out we have to do something neat with it so i believe what will be coming in july is an interactive album experience um oh the sort of an abstract interactive creative way of releasing the music that uh, that Eli has put together so I would keep keep your eyes peeled on our Instagram and Facebook for that um <clears throat> it won't be a definitely will not be one of those huge time commitment shows um if anyone who's listening to this or around has done either Love Locked or something like Nightjar uh, the Nightjar experience which was a Sleep No More fan show it'll be more like that where you have like like one or two small interactions a day can't wait that'll be so fun i'm looking forward to it yeah that that should be a good time i'm really i'm really hyped to i i, I think eli's music is absolutely amazing whatever you might say about it eh. fantastic well, and it's very creative and atmospheric well, and i appreciate that i'm really excited to get to sort of distribute it in a really uh creative and interactive way so yeah that's so very awesome. cool yeah thanks again you guys and don't forget to check out twin knives unstable nightmare people all of the amazing things happening in the world of immersive horror jackie and don't forget to check us out on your favorite podcasting app just search jersey ghouls on social media you will find us you can also find all about us at jerseyghouls.com don't forget to check out um some of our latest podcasts under the jersey ghouls three crones umbrella including every month madness which is I believe this month covering 90s no-hit wonders. Which the list is bullshit. No, I've seen the list. But it's not bullshit. None of those people had a number one hit in the 90s. Bands you that'll blow your mind like Fish and Primus and Marilyn Manson are all on this list of no-hit wonders. I think it's subject. 
It's not subjective. Well, it's I, either had it number one. Or I just I don't think a hit is number one. Okay, I think you can have hits. And you can not love the Pixies. One. There's no hit song by the Pixies. Okay, fine. That's the Pixies, but there's absolutely hit songs by who? Primus. It's, it's no. also worth mentioning that our perception of what is popular music has changed wildly now that we all disc jockey for ourselves. That's yeah. very true. You're right. Yeah. We no stinking people tell us right. But it's true, yeah, no. So yeah. definitely check out. See, look how much conversation just mentioned. I know. Well, I, I already <laughs> said that I'm going to be screaming at my phone listening to that episode because I already disagree with the premise. Drama. But that's it. Thanks again, you guys. Have a great night and uh, bye bye. Bye bye. 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 listening to the Geekscape Network.